First name, Mr. Last name, Glass. Is it possible that there are no coincidences? I see dead people. Welcome back to Chronologically. This is the podcast where we go through some of cinema's greatest creators' entire filmographies in chronological order. My name is Jeff. With me is Eric. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm great. Fantastic. We are here at the season finale. Uh, we are going to do a wrap-up show next week, so there will be that. But as far as uh, your normal reviews go, we're, we've come to the end of the road to quote Boys to Men. Yep. Is it Boys to Men? Yeah, I guess it is Boys to Men, isn't it? We come. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could <laughs> oh, be wrong, please, but I'm fairly it. certain it's more. <laughs> Sing the song, Jeff, please. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, let me pull up the lyrics. Uh, girl, you know. No, I'm not doing it. Okay. <laughs> um, but it is Boys to Men. Um, so this is, uh, of course, we're in our third season uh, where we are going through M. Night Shyamalan's films and. Uh, we just watched Knock at the Cabin, his most recent film uh, from 2023, this year even. Um, although by the time this comes out, next year. Uh, last, previous year, whatever. Last, last year, yeah. It stars my man, professional wrestler Dave Batista, former professional wrestler. He's very much an actor now. Jonathan Groff, who I know from um, Brain Not Working, Mind Hunter. Really good show. Ben Aldridge, Nikki Akuma Bird, uh, Amuka Bird, who was in Old, as you pointed out before. Rupert Grint, who never played anything ever in his entire life that everyone knows of. Um, Ron Weasley. Uh, Abby Quinn and Kristen Chu, or Chu. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I apologize. Um, uh, so... I know you hadn't seen this before, so I don't know if uh, we can get into your history, as there isn't any. No, yeah. I, I uh, By the time this hit Peacock, we had already uh, determined that this was going to be our next season, and so I specifically did not watch it as much as I wanted to. I didn't watch it because I knew I would be watching it again within the year for this episode of the show. So, yes, this was my, my first viewing. How about you? I specifically did watch it before we started our season because I knew if we started the season, then I would obey the rules and wait till we got to it. But we hadn't started the season yet. We were still in the thick of uh, Spielberg. So I was like, I'm going to watch it because I like M. Night Shyamalan and this looks pretty good. And I love Batista. So uh, I will say when the trailer first trailer dropped, I was like, yeah, that looks great. And then they dropped the second trailer and I, th this movie is one of the reasons I don't really watch trailers anymore unless it's a movie I'm not sure if I want to see or not. But if it's a movie I'm going to see, I don't watch trailers because the second trailer pretty much spoiled that the apocalypse was real. You th did it? Really? pissed me like off. Oh, yeah. Like it showed the new, like before the first trailer is like, we're here to stop the apocalypse, but it could just be crazy people. You don't know. Yeah. The second trailer, they turn on the news and the apocalypse is happening. And you're like, oh, well, shit. Like, it just kind of took a little bit of that mystery away because so much of the story is like, are these people crazy? Is this real? Well, I, and, think, I think even the way, like, even having seen that in the trailer, when you actually sit down to watch the film, as these apocalyptic events are taking place, it still does leave that question in your mind. I think it does a really good job of kind of like tipping that seesaw back and forth as the film is going on. Like, you know, I, I, I being me quickly accepted that I, I felt the apocalypse was real just because yeah. Batista is so, you know, convincing and so on. But, uh, it does, it, it keeps throwing you curveballs. And just leaves enough like reasonable doubt in your mind that you know I I I can really understand why Daddy Eric and Daddy Andrew took as long as they did to make the decision, costing perhaps millions of lives along the way. Uh, because but it is it, it it is really it is really ambiguous. You know, like yes. It's the worst day in the history of humanity, right? <laughs> like, really 
bad stuff is happening. But, you know, there's there's still like that give and take of like, you know, oh, is this just timing? Like, you know, did they know about this earthquake before, you know, they came walking towards the cabin? Oh, this like this outbreak has been going on for a while. Oh, hey, Redmond is the one that hit me in the head with a bottle. These people are clearly homophobic Christian suicide cult maniacs. You know, like like right. I, I I think that enough elements come into play that even if you had gone into it and seen the images of like the planes falling out of the sky or whatever, uh it still does leave that like it does. Is it real? Is it not? For for quite a while until I agree. the evidence just becomes so overwhelming that you're like, okay. Yeah, I agree. And when I did watch it the first time, I did. I wasn't quite sure if they were crazy or not. I was leaning. I was hoping they were crazy. I think that makes a better movie to me. Um, be a little more scary of a movie, you know. Um, but you, that's not. Do you? Do you think it would have been scarier if they had for if you're in the role of the protagonist and and you're sitting there tied up and you've got crazy people once you'd realize that it's you got to take one of I we'll get into the whole thing but um because there's a lot of debate and you know there's a, at the at the core of it is a philosophical debate do you kill someone you love to save millions you don't even know or you know, uh, I I do. I will say on my second viewing, I was less enthused. I really enjoyed my first viewing, and I still think that this is a good movie, and there's still really, really great acting. I think this is one of the best acted films uh, in in the catalog. Uh, you know, in the top five, I think maybe would be fair. Um, and I like the characters a lot. And I thought the finale was emotionally effective. My biggest issue is that the real villain is God and that you never, there's no um, recompense. There's no getting back at him. It's just, I am going to destroy the world unless this family that loves each other makes a decision and kills one of their members. All right, so I'm going to cross out one of my questions, which was, is this a cruel god? Because Oh, come on. <laughs> it's like the- yes. <laughs> You're right. The villain is God. God is uh he's the uncool Old Testament Noah drowning god. Uh and and very much like I think he's meaner than the Noah drowning god. Because, because he puts the them- Noah drowning God was just like, boom, everyone's dead. I've had it. I'm sick of you. However, this one's like, well, I could toy with some people first. I could give these four people, one of which isn't that great, but the other three seem to be well-balanced, kind people. Give them these visions and force them to kill each other and then go into a cabin with a family and force one of those three to kill each other to save the world. That just seems more playing with your toys than just, hey, I fucked up. I'm starting over. Right. But Old Testament God certainly did shit like this. Old Testament God was like, yeah, hey, dude, take your son to the top of the mountain and kill that fool. (laughs) We need a sacrifice. Let's do this. You know, like Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of, uh, you know, hey, don't turn around and look at the city. Oh, you turned around and looked at the city. Now you're salt. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. so so I think it's in keeping with with Old Testament God because he did have a lot of uh, cruel trickery going on there, unlike the kinder, gentler New Testament God who is like, no, nah, I guess I'm going to be cool to these people now, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It is It is really like, God was uh, having a boring Saturday afternoon and was like, you know what? <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I need a project. <laughs> let's, yeah. <laughs> let's pick four randos and uh, put this crazy idea in their heads. Let's take seven people and just fuck with them for a couple days. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And 
I found like at the end of the movie, do you really want to live in this world? You know, when, 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 and her dad are driving off, is this, this really where you want to be? You know, <laughs> like what, <laughs> what stops it from happening again? You know, there's no, oh, we put this off for another hundred years or whatever. It's just, eh. I think it's very similar to, and, and I. It's weird to bring up praying with anger after all this time, but it's similar to uh, the ending of praying with anger, where I was, I was saying like that poor kid is now going to have to go into life knowing that it's all real. Like, there's a difference between. Faith. Oh, I think you're thinking of wide awake. Was it wide awake? Oh yeah, I yeah. am thinking of wide awake. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's a difference between like belief and faith and knowledge right yeah like like these people have been shown god in a sense you know like they have been shown evidence they know now that that god is real which really really would impact your life in i don't know the greatest ways you know <laughs> like, i i would have a hard time i but, mean like if you're if you're the surviving dad in this, aren't you going to be bitter and angry for the rest of your life? Like, we had something beautiful. Like, they were living a great life, right? Like, everything, I mean, there were some problems along the way. Like, one of the parents didn't approve of him being gay, or at least that's what you're meant to infer. And... But they they had this daughter that they're raising, and they seem to be doing a great job. She seems really great. They're happy together. They're singing boogie shoes all the way to the campground or whatever. And, you know, the the two dads are very much in love, and everything's great. They have a really awesome life ahead of them. And here they come. Like, just... Yeah, I just think like the rest of your life you would you would dread death more than the regular human being because you would be like, this is the this is where I'm going. This is the guy like this. This is this is what the end. This is the God that's in heaven. Like this is where I'm going (laughs) to hang out with the guy who did that thing with the airplanes, which was massively fucked up. (laughs) really 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 fucked up like i i uh yeah i think i think it, i would i mean i don't know like you would still do your best to live a good life but at this point it's more out of like fear fear you're you're yeah uh, and there are passages in the bible about fear of god but i think they're misunderstood but i think that this would be the wrong reason right like do you do you uh, want your kids to love you because you spank them so much and you say, if you don't love me, I'm going to spank you some more? Or do you want them to love you because you're kind and good and you teach them things and you've guided them? And you know what I mean? Like, it's just this. Yeah, it is a very. Um, uh, I think there'd be a lot of severely conservative christians who are really into this film yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, they're I like mean, yes i mean accuracy. It, it does make you think about like the ark of god uh in terms of like biblical terms and how he's represented culturally and so on and so forth uh you know like the old testament wrathful god and then the new testament uh you know more kind and forgiving god and then Depending on who's reading it. Depending on who's reading it, of course, yeah, and the interpretations. Uh, And then, you know, the I'm not showing up for stuff anymore, God, (laughs) our present age. (laughs) At least, like, as far as we can tell. Uh, At least not in a corporeal manner, you know? Like, um, so, yeah, I don't know. It it does lead to a lot of interesting thoughts about faith and, and the impact of what what that knowledge would mean because i'll tell you what those four people that show up at the cabin are not very happy about their situation right they have been shown you know that god is real and granted with these visions and uh apparently blueprints for crazy tools and uh weird tools i didn't get the tools like i was making my vision because redmond makes his weapon and doesn't ever get to use it 
I mean, I guess he breaks a couple windows with it, but <laughs> like he makes this hammer thing, and he's the first to go. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> it's just a bit of a wasted effort for him with his tools. I don't know. I did think the tools themselves were neat. They were interesting. They were yeah. they were appropriately like scary, but recognizable. Like recognizable things, like welded together and reshaped into oh, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that thing sort of objects, you know? It really reminded me of a movie called Frailty, which I know you've seen. Oh, I love Frailty. But I know you do. Uh, but there's this thing where he gets visions, and then he gets, I got to get the tools, and it's gloves and a pipe <laughs> <laughs> and an axe. Like, it's just nothing and that movie's silly to me but it just kind of felt like that to me where here they are having these visions and of course at the end of frailty it tends to be real you know and at the end of this it's also real and it just those parallels to me i could not ignore yeah i do i do think that like you said about the trailer I think I would have rather gone into this not knowing anything about it at all. Like, not knowing any of the premise. Because it really does start as this home invasion movie, you know? Like, and if you went into it not knowing at all that there was any religious aspect to it, and, and it was just these four people showing up and breaking into your house... Then that turn that it takes when, it, he, yeah. when Batista starts telling what it's about would really be impactful, you know? I, I'm sure It's kind of are- like what I said was split, right? Like, we knew that James McAvoy would kidnap some people, but if you see the trailer, you get, oh, multiple personalities. But if you watch the movie blind, you don't know it's multiple personalities until Patricia comes out of that door. And I I feel like for all M. Night Shyamalan movies, I'm not going to watch any trailers anymore because it just isn't worth it. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of his movies are best just watched as is. Yeah. I think the the home invasion uh, subgenre of horror movies, I it's one of those that I avoid, kind of like you avoid demonic possession movies. Oh, I, kinda, I avoid them too for very similar reasons. Yeah, yeah. This is like something that I just don't need in my psyche. Uh, I am very, very aware that at any given time, if somebody wants to get in my house, they're, yeah. they're getting in. You know, like I, my house has been robbed while we were away and people came in and stole all our shit. And that was very... Uh, it kind of changes the way you feel about your home in some ways yep. when somebody comes in and, and like is in your space and takes your things and makes a mess for no reason, you know, and like just knocks shit off the walls just to be a dick. Um, and, and, and so like that, that experience in particular, but in general also, like I, I am aware that somebody could throw a rock through one of the windows in our back sunroom and get into our house you know just like that you know any any house if somebody wants to in bad enough they can do it um and so that idea floating around in my head is enough for me like i right i've I've seen i've never seen the strangers for that reason it's like it's just too real and i have seen funny games and and uh and and that's enough like at that point i kind of drew the line i was like you know what i've seen hush hush is a good one what one is that? What is Hush? The Hush is with the deaf woman. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That is a good one. I also like the Mike one again, again. where the kids break into the blind guy's house, and uh, and the blind guy is like an army I haven't vet, seen it. And he I, turns I, the I tables watch on it. them. It's a good one. It's I a good need one. to watch it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's actually two of them now. They made a sequel to it. But, uh, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, home security stuff weirds me out as it is so i think this would be very impactful. did i ever tell you the story about the uh the new year's day 2022 uh craziness that happened at my house no i don't think so (laughs) okay new year's day everybody goes to bed we're all tired because we were up late the night before sleep sleeping around maybe midnight or 1 a.m there's this pounding on the front door. Pounding, right? And there's this woman out there screaming 
at the top of her lungs, like horror movie screaming, help, help, he's going to get me, help, oh my God, help me, please, God, why won't you open the door, help me, just screaming. So I'm like getting up, and I'm like pulling on pants to like go see what's going on, <laughs> you know, like super yeah. confused, like you, you wake up and you don't instantly spring to action when shit like that happens, you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And so by the time I got to the front, uh, I opened the door and she's not there. And then we hear this pounding on the back. Help, help. Oh, my God. Help me. Play. Help. And at that point, my son had come downstairs because it woke him up, too. And, and like it's hard to describe hearing that in real life. Like, yeah. you instantly get, like, she escaped from the kill chamber. This is the woman who just got away from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? And, like, she is coming to your house for help. And we go around back and she's not there anymore either. And we were like, what the fuck is happening? And so we ended up calling the cops and the cops came and they said that they had reports all up and down the street of this woman, you know, going from house to house screaming for help, but they never like, we didn't, we never found out what happened. Like, yeah, we didn't actually see her. We just heard her. And, you know, she was, you know, was she just some kid fucking around? Like, that seems like a pretty big fucking around. Did she get recaptured by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No idea, you know? But it's that sort of shit that makes you feel like it could be happening right next door. Like, yeah. it's, it could be happening right across the street. Like, like they could come and get us at any given time, you know? Um, and I guess that story is not necessarily directly related to home invasion. <laughs> but... <laughs> What else was it going to come up? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure eventually we got a lot of movies left to watch, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So that, that stuff messes with me. But what is interesting in this is like just how nice the home invaders are, you know, like for home invaders outside of Batista's size and Redmond's just general hillbilliness, they're not super, like they say right up front, we're not going to hurt you. We just need you to stay. And I guess if I was going to hurt somebody, I would still tell them I wasn't going to hurt them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They do that all the time, right? Yeah. So I guess that's not to be trusted, but I don't know. It's it's such a unique and interesting spiel that they give that like I know you're not supposed to engage but I would really be asking a lot of questions, you know, like I'd be sitting there trying to get to the bottom of what was going on. Okay. So you're from Dallas and you're from Chicago and tell me more about this chat board. You know, <laughs> like I really yeah, want to know they were on 4chan, right? How they connected and how they, you know, what that first meeting was like, you know, like, did you guys get ice cream? Do you like where? Where did you go to talk this out? You, were you at the Ponderosa? You know, like... Ponderosa, huh? <laughs> you still have that? There was one that we went to uh, on vacation. We just pulled off to the side of the road. It, it was the craziest thing. Uh, we went in, and it was exactly like the Ponderosa from, like, 1992. And they, yeah. they were playing a radio station that had, like, all 80 songs or whatever their music was. And so it was a weird Ponderosa time machine and it was oh, exactly awesome. the same. It was the baked potatoes in the foil and like the weird little steaks and the like crappy salad bar with all the same crappy, like 1987 ingredients. Anyhow, I've really, yeah, you can tell I've had yeah. coffee. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Ponderosa, well, my dad always called it Pondagrosa. Anyway, that's a dad joke. Um, yeah. So like you said, they come in. Well, we first get introduced to Wynn and Batista. I can't see your face. Your coffee mug is in the way. There he is. Uh, so we first get introduced to Wynn and Batista. Now, Batista doesn't look like the nicest guy in the world. He's head to toe covered in tats. He's huge. But what softens his image to me are the dad glasses. Those glasses are like the same ones my dad wore. They're not stylish. They're just the aviator, cheap ones you get for free through your insurance or whatever. Yeah, I, I think in general, like, they really cast Batista well in this because in general, he is a very likable human being. 
Yes. And there, even with his history from being in professional wrestling, which I honestly, I will admit now, I have never seen him in that context. I've oh, never seen him in a wrestling he's match. Very good. I don't know if he was a good guy or a heel. I don't know anything about Both. anything about like his history in wrestling. All I know him from is like his film work, right? But yeah, there's like an inherent gentility to him. Like even in his Drax role, you know, like he will stomp and throw people around and, and kill. But like, there's this other side to that character. That's very gentle, you know, and kind of child, yeah. childlike almost. He's able to like kind of harness that. And that really comes to the fore in this movie. Like, like you really buy him as this giant guy who became a second grade teacher and coaches the kids. And, you know, he would really love to hang out with the kitten, you know, and just pet the kitten. And <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if I ask you what's going on with Batista's head? Is that, what what what's with his head? Like the top of his head, those wrinkles on his head. Like I think it's just because of like I've seen a lot of people like that. Uh, I, I don't think you're a basketball fan, but there's a guy named Shane Battier who used to play for Duke and then he played in the NBA, had the same sort of thing. I think it's just some people's heads are like that. That's not a wrestling thing. Like if he if it was on his front of his head, then I could tell you what it was, but that's not it. So it's not um, like scars or something. That's It's like no, natural I, skin I think it's just, just bunching up and... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would be playing with that constantly if that was on my head. I'd be sticking my <laughs> fingers down in those creases and kind of like... Keeping quarters. Sniffing them, you know? I don't know. Uh, all right. <laughs> Wash your hands before you eat. <laughs> Disgusting. Anyhow. Um, I won't, but yeah, I, I do I do think that he's, he's well chosen as the leader of this group and and well cast. I think his... His acting in this, like, I always enjoy him on screen. I always think he's a fun screen presence, uh, but it's next level in this. Like, he really shows out in this movie, you know, as as this likable kind of convincing, as non-threatening as possible presence, you know? Even when, so there's the scene where Batista has been locked in the bathroom and you hear the window break and they're like, we need to make sure Batista's still in there. And they go in and he shoots into the shower to make sure no one's in there. And Batista is in there and he's been shot and he disables the guy who shot him. And then he fumbles for his glasses and just tries to get them on. And I it was like, that's such a human moment. You know, like, God damn it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I love Batista to me and a lot of other wrestling fans would agree is the greatest wrestler turned actor of all time. When it comes to his ability to act, he's phenomenal. Yes. And I think I think I kind of respect that more than like the most successful like like financially, you know, because so basically what do you got? You got uh Rock is the most successful you financially. Rock. You got John Cena who's carved out his own niche in, in like comedy. He's coming up. And and in uh, action films, you know, like he's he's doing pretty well. Also, very likable guy, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, those are the big three. They're really, I mean, like Roddy Piper was in a couple movies. Hulk Hogan was in his shitty movies. I mean, there were a few others. Um, yeah, but but Batista is the one that I I with you. I really feel like he can act right. Like yeah. this guy can do a character, and this really proves it it proves that that drax wasn't just like a one note fluke you know and the the cia thing with the little kid which is actually a pretty fun movie i don't know if you've ever seen that my my spy i think it's called like no i don't think so yeah, it's actually all right i think it's on amazon you should check it out sometime uh he's ah, I'm all right it's funny it's batista it's cute it's funny i love batista yeah just uh, not gonna watch a kid's movie willingly anyway all right then well anyhow uh <laughs> it does show that the guy saying. he has some range and some depth to him yeah you know like it's not just shoot a bunch of dudes and fire off a one-liner you know and don't get me wrong i really like rock movies <laughs> like i will watch a rock movie every single time but you know could rock the, doesn't have the range right could the rock, rock have pulled this off no. no come on no rock doesn't have range and i don't know that cena does either um and i think that's the big difference yeah yeah um so ron weasley 
uh, is in the Rupert movie Grant. a lot mm-hmm. less than I expected. I I was very surprised to see him go as quickly as he did. Um, the, that, would you consider him to be the least successful of the Harry Potter trio? I don't know about that. I think he's had a pretty good career. Um, I'm not saying he hasn't had a good career. Least successful of the three. I have a hard time qualifying that because it depends on what you qualify as success. You know, like like bigger roles financially I, or like uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, just bigger roles, more household name. You know, like yeah. I mean, like Emma Watson had a big banging period of about five years there, but she's kind of like faded from the spotlight, maybe on purpose. You know, yeah. Uh, Harry himself seems to have settled into I'm going to do weird shit. Like he just is hey, making himself I'm on board with it. Yeah, he's just making himself literally happy. in the movie weird, <laughs> doing weird shit, which uh, is fun. You know, I think they're all kind of pursuing their own thing. And the fact that he hasn't completely dropped off the face of the earth, right. I think, is, uh, you know, a, a plus enough in itself. Um, yeah. And it's by no means a criticism of him. It's just when you get that, there aren't a lot of child actors that are able to turn it into a career. I mean, it's you might be able to count them on one hand. Yeah. I see him on a lot of streaming stuff. He's on the M. Night Servant show, right, on Apple. Yep. It's three seasons deep on that. Uh, he was in the Guillermo del Toro uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. He had an episode in that, which was pretty good. Um, so, yeah, you see him pop up and stuff, and it's always like, oh, Juan Juan. He's here. I like seeing him. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm not in any way trying to disparage him. I was just curious if uh, – I think you're right, though. They've all kind of had this equal level of – but I think if you say Emma Watson, people go, yeah, Hermione. If you say Daniel Radcliffe, they'll say, hey, Harry. But if you say Rupert Grint, They'll go, uh, I know that name. And I always forget. I always sometimes think Rupert Everett? No, that's not right. Rupert Everett's someone else. Wrong wrong but, Rupert. Yep. I like Rupert Everett though. He's funny. Yeah, but I anyway. I, I uh I did enjoy them him in this. Uh but man, they they take him out like pretty hardcore, which leads me to ask you, do you think in those moments, okay, so the setup is we're gonna ask you to make this decision. If you don't, we're going to visit what we call a plague, which is more or less a disaster of some sort, on humanity. And then, you know, surprise bonus that you weren't expecting, we're going to kill one of the members of the crew here, right? Do you think in those moments when they are killing him, are they in control of their own bodies? Because shit gets really weird there for a minute. Like, he puts on, he says he's scared, and then he puts the hood on, or the see-through, the baggy, whatever they put on his head. And then they all just kind of, like, kind of change in bearing, and they become pretty stiff. And they go through the motions of, like, killing them. You know, like, almost like soldier-like, just kill, kill, kill. And then they kind of become themselves again, and they react to what just happened, you know? Are they, like... Under their own steam at that point? Or is are they being like kinda marionetted there a little bit by the the cruel uh, knock of the cabin god? Uh I hadn't noticed that till you said it, but I think it makes more sense that they are sort of they lose control of themselves. Um because I think that that would be a hard thing to pull the trigger on. Um Either way, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, even if you're convinced, I think that there's something in us human wise that's like, I just can't do it, right? I just can't. So maybe there is that moment where they sort of lose themselves. They There's the reoccurring thing where he mentioned seeing a figure in the mirror. And we don't really know what that means. And I went back and tried to see the figure in the mirror and I couldn't see it. So I'm wondering if that is the uh, angry God or an angry angel or whatever taking over and, and doing those things. Because the other thing is, is if you have to do that to bring out the plague, why not do it? Why not just not do it? You know what I mean? Just say, no, we're good. Like we have to do this to judge humanity and bring on the plague. I think I'm good. I'll pass. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think there's there's something to be said for the argument because they are trying to make, like, perhaps the world's most difficult argument to this family, right? Like, with with 
well, starting with no evidence, but steadily increasing evidence, we're going to ask you to pick a member of your family and kill them. And here we're going to lay down the reasons why. I think it gives their argument a bit more conviction if, as part of the agenda, they're going to sacrifice themselves one by one as well, right? Like, this is so meaningful to us that we're willing to sacrifice ourselves just to try to convince you to participate, you know? Um, because I can't like try and try and can you imagine trying to convince? No, I, like, I, I, what a difficult goddamn argument. Like it's ridiculous, you know, like, uh, yeah. So uh, I wouldn't, I, I, I would sit there and do exactly what, um, daddy Andrew does and be like, you guys are fucking crazy. Like Eric buys in a little sooner than daddy andrew does but andrew is like no fuck you we're not doing you guys are out of your mind kill you all and then even when he is convinced he's like shit let's all just walk there together you know yeah. <laughs> like whatever screw everyone else i want my family which i think honestly is probably what i would do <laughs> i would just say you know what fuck them yeah i don't know it's interesting uh, when when faced with the what would I do, I've got like a pretty big immediate family, right? Like there's seven of us, and mm-hmm. uh, I really feel probably at this point I'm worth the least. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. So like, if I'm, so that's kind of the the other thing. The question that comes up to me watching this is, is it more selfish? to be the one that wants to get killed or to be the one that has to do the killing. Because even in that final moment where Eric's like, kill me, I'm ready. I, you know, I see clearly and he's at peace about it. And he talks about his, I'm thinking the most beautiful memory right now, you know, kill me. But even at that moment, Andrew's like, no, kill me. He doesn't want to be the one to have to pull the trigger and then live with that, right? Right, yeah. That's, so that's what's more thing. selfish? Is it more selfish to be like, bump me off, kill me? Or to be the one to do the killing? Yeah, I don't know. I hadn't I hadn't considered that it would be a selfish act to be like, no, just let's just make this decision quickly and now. <laughs> you guys go ahead and knock me off partially just because i'm the oldest right and i, I right. i've lived already you know i'm 51 i've lived a fairly longish life you know like I, i'm not sure where i fall on the the median scale of how long people live or whatever but you know i i feel like i've done a satisfying amount of things and uh you know if we had to pick somebody like, what are we going to pick? Pick the baby? Like, no, we're not going to pick no, the of course baby, not. you know? Like, right. Like, at no point is Wynn in this in this movie the one who's going to get right, it. Right. She's super right. not even up for discussion, right? <laughs> right. And, and, like, we're not going to pick my wife. Like, yeah. you know, like, that's dumb. So, yeah, it very much feels like a no-brainer, you know? And I think the rest of the family could get on board with that pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what it was like, kill me. Okay, sounds good. Wait, what? You have to kind of wonder how the dynamic of the movie would have played out if one of them immediately, like, as soon as they laid out the situation, one of them immediately was like, oh, kill me, kill me. What if it, <laughs> what if did, it was... Like, do they just a, wander back into the woods or what? A couple on the verge of divorce, oh. and they can't agree, and they're like, point, kill her. <laughs> 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 and they just there's no fight other than to pick which one they want to I'm so sick of her anywhere or whatever. Oh, that's funny. Um regarding like the arc of the couple and and the fact that there's like history of a hate crime and yeah. the fact that like I th- I thought it was an interesting idea that this was a same sex couple, right? Because then that leads to this other element of maybe this is a hate crime right yeah. like maybe these guys are just like super anti-gay and they're coming here to punish us and that's immediately where their heads go like they immediately are like yeah. 
you guys are here because we're gay, you assholes. Like, what the hell? Um, I, how did you feel about tying Redmond back into the assault that Daddy Andrew had endured early on? Yeah, so I think it adds that element of, okay, maybe something else is going on. Maybe this is some sort of weird scam or maybe Redmond is, of course you don't find out till later after Redmond's killed himself. Cause that's when it stops making sense. If he was there just to do a hate crime, he wouldn't kill himself right. <laughs> or allow himself to be killed. Um, I, I think it works in a way because of some of the complexities that come later, like at the end of the movie, Redmond has left his keys in the truck, probably at the instruction of Batista, because they know they're going to need to find the, the the survivors are going to need a way to drive home. And like you even get in the truck and you, they show Redmond's pass, you know, his work license or whatever up there. And you're like, oh, this is Redmond's truck. And you're kind of remembering, even though this guy's a, a bigot, there's this moment of kindness to leave his truck behind he doesn't need it i don't know like i think it adds a little complexity it also allows you as the viewer to to continue to question whether the apocalypse is actually happening or not yeah i agree i agree it does add an interesting cycle of karmic i don't want to say justice but like there's definitely a circular thing there happening with redmond and his hate crime and how it comes back into play and kind of like the another twist of the knife from the cruel god to send him to these people that he had uh offended not offended but yeah you know what i mean um offended in the term of like legal (laughs) he was an offender uh and and then have to be put in a position of asking this thing of them, you know, it adds an extra dimension to like that dynamic and what that must have been like for him. And I think if I, when I, I'm not going to say yeah, because I'm definitely going to rewatch this sometime. When I do rewatch it, I'm going to keep a careful eye on him and, you know, see if there's any point where like he recognizes them, you know, because this time you find out about this dynamic later, you know, but I wasn't watching him as he came through specifically outside of the context of here's these four invaders, you know, if he like looks at them and he's like, Oh shit, God damn. These are the people that I hit with the bottle. You know, (laughs) I think from my second viewing, I didn't see any moments of record, you know, recognizing them. Uh, The only thing he says is like, Hey, coming in and seeing those the same sex couple was a big surprise to him, you know, and, uh, but he didn't seem to register. And I'm guessing that, you know, it, at the bar, he was drunk enough where he wouldn't remember anyway. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't see any recognition, but also didn't look for it. Well, do you think, did you get the impression that, like, he does mention that he did time. Did he do time for this assault? Yes. Or did he skate on this and do time for something else? He says that um, later in the movie, I think Andrew or, or Eric, one of them says that he did go to jail. Uh, based on this assault yeah because you would think they would be able to recognize each other immediately then from like court yeah or whatever that's true you know like yeah, yeah it leaves it leaves it a little ambiguous so when everything is said and done and they have killed daddy eric and everything comes to a sudden stop what do you think the aftermath for like humanity in general is from this day? They forget about it and move on. Ah, Jesus. I think so too. I think so too. Yeah. They just go, man, that sucked. Remember that? It would be like September 11th in our minds. I mean, just a global one, but they'd move on and people would get back to life. And then it, it, you know, it's so wild when you think of like how much stuff goes down on the regular that like by the end of the year, you can't even remember. Like I look at the year end, like, you know, I don't know, whoever Newsweek or whatever does the year in photos, you know, and you kind of scroll through them. You're like, Oh yeah, 
Yeah, let's see. All these shootings. Oh, Jesus, Tennessee flooded. I forgot about that. And oh, man, you know, like there's all those people on the roof of their house. And oh, God, the fires took out Hawaii. Jesus, you know, like, like, like so much happens in a year that it's almost too much for your brain to kind of track it. Nonetheless, I feel like this is a particularly heinous day, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because you've got the tidal wave uh, hitting Seattle and then uh, the plague and then all... First off, that beach, now that might not have been the Seattle beach, but that's not what the beaches look like in Seattle, if that was supposed to be Seattle. I think it was supposed to be, like the Pacific Northwest somewhere. Yeah. Well, I don't know about all of... I've been to the beach in Seattle. It's covered with rocks and it doesn't look like a beach down here in Florida. Anyway doesn't matter could have been california yeah yeah then the planes fall out of the skies and then uh and then you know just lightning and fire starts hitting everything and setting it on fire uh out of all these i found the planes falling out of the skies to be like the worst i just i i you know how i feel about flying and then you know just one after another like that just plummeting out of the skies very very upsetting to me i did not like it <laughs> it reminds me i was playing diablo with a friend and uh we were in this cave of spiders and he goes let's get the fuck out of here <laughs> and, like in all seriousness like the sooner we get out of here the better i'm like why he just that scared of spiders <laughs> he's like you gotta get the fuck out of here man <laughs> that's funny i did like the way when the lightning and the fire starts hitting everything the way that it kind of emulated the cabin, right? Like the, the lightning hit that giant tree behind the cabin and it mm-hmm. just came and like took it out. Like we're going to, to like smite this area of the earth where this took place, you know, and cleanse it in fire because, you know, I don't know. And it was interesting. It was an interesting visual choice. How do you think that Daddy Andrew and Wynn will think back on Batista and the crew. Like, as the time goes on, they're like, man, they helped save the world. They had this horrible task to do. Or are they angry? I think in the near term, they're angry. I think in the long term, they will come to accept them as heroes. Although, like... Heroes Except that for maybe Redmond. Heroes that the world will never know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, because I mean they they kind of are. You know, like they're just playing their part in trying to save the world from the apocalypse. They didn't ask for it. They're not happy about it. They're not. You know, uh, it goes in some of their belief systems don't even align with this. You know, they've been kind of coerced themselves into participating in this and uh i think if if daddy andrew and when don't talk themselves out of the reality of the situation as time goes by and don't be like yeah maybe we were just taking that too seriously like maybe that was just a bunch of coincidences which you know it feels like andrew might lean more towards that if they don't yeah. go that route then uh then they might come to see them as heroes. I certainly kind yeah. of see them as heroic. In hindsight, search certainly like even like Batista being the leader and the kind and gentle leader. And even the moment he's like, can we go outside for this last part? I kind of want to do this part outside, you know, and just be in a different space. So, and like you said, because he's so likable, it's easy to be like, Hey, he was doing what he had to do. Yeah, Exactly. So the movie mentions, like, that this has perhaps happened in the past, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, from that we're to infer Noah, you know, obviously, as as one of them. Um, but it made me start thinking about, like, how frequently, like, how often the cruel god in this universe demands, you know, sacrifice. Yeah. And it also made me think of how different this would play out in olden times 
because there wasn't the immediate gratification of proof on television, right? Like right now we've got the 24 hour news cycle. So this God in the current day can be like, you know what? We can keep this shit to like a tight 18 hours, right? We're going to go into this cabin (laughs) and we're going to, and you just like, you know, flip on the TV and boom, there it is. You know, in olden times, like, let's say they were doing it in the old West, right? Well, you got to lock people down for what? Two, three months. You know, while news of the disaster kind of like comes across. <laughs> Just wait here. <laughs> on the Pony Express. You'll see. <laughs> We're going to get a letter. <laughs> exactly. So it made me think about like other times that this has maybe happened in the past. And the best I could come up with was 1910-ish, you know, because you got like or around that period because you got like the Titanic, right? And then you yeah. got the yellow fever pandemic. And then very soon after that, World War One comes, right? And all those things are kind of right together. So I feel like that was maybe the escalation, and they just had somebody locked down for like two or, <laughs> two or three years. <laughs> like, okay, now <laughs> it's been 14 months. We're here again to ask you, are you ready to make a sacrifice? <laughs> and then the people are like, well, hell no. Okay, we'll be back in like six months. <laughs> and we'll proof. have more news. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They need to make that movie. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see, yeah, knock of knock on the cabin in the past, you know. Knock on the cabin circa nineteen. Knock on the saloon. I thought yeah. Yeah. Knock on the castle door, you know. Oh, yeah. Good one. Monty Python's knock at the castle door. <laughs> Give that to me. Well, that's kind of all I had for knock on the cabin. I, and so you you kind of came down a little softer on I, it this time. Yeah, around. I kind of. I'm trying to think of one of the other movies in our uh, back catalog that we watch. Where I'm like, the acting's great. My really my only problem with the movie is. That because the apocalypse is real, it left me with sort of an unsatisfying ending to me. Like there's no way anyone was going to win. Yeah. And so when it ended, I was like, okay, I, there's still so many good moments. Like when Boogie Shoes plays at the end of the oh, movie so good. and he turns it off and then she turns it on and then looks at him and sees it's hurting him and then turns it off. And then he goes, turns it back on because he doesn't want her to not celebrate her other dad i really love that moment i really like the the end moment when eric is talking to andrew and thinking of this beautiful memory and i like their they have on-screen chemistry as a couple like you could just see it work uh he's this hot fiery fiery hothead and Andrew's the more calm, introspective one. They have that push and pull. I like the the little that scene at the bar where they're talking about what are your shortcomings to decide whether or not we should be parents. Yeah. And they're like, well, you can sometimes suck the fun out of everything and you can be a little <laughs> angry. And you think they're about to have a fight, but they're really like, that's not bad. You know, I, I just and then when they go to adopt win and all of their acting works for me and I care about the characters and I want them to survive and I think the fact that it's bullshit and the family breaks up and it's just really God's fault I just found it like so uh like it didn't leave me with anything other than maybe disappointment in that there was no way this was going to work out the plot from the beginning was someone's going to lose it, it just and it that, does but, leave them in a cruel universe i mean that's that's yeah. the bottom line they're left in in a, a cruel world um are you familiar with the book like did you read anything no about the book? i'm not so this is the second in a row that uh that m night has adapted from something else old was based on a graphic a french graphic novel and then this was based on a science fiction horror novel um cabin at the end of the world i believe is what it's called something like that yeah and uh i read a lot of interviews with the writer because there were significant changes from the book like the concept in the main like conflict is the same you know it's the same question is being posed by the same yeah. characters in the same setting 
but the outcome is very different. Um, in the book, when uh, Leonard and Daddy Andrew fight over the gun, the gun goes off and kills Wen. And uh, at that point, Eric and Andrew are completely out. They're just like, we are not participating in this anymore. And they end up, uh, Leonard or whoever the last one is, kills himself and they leave together. Like, they're just like, no, we're not doing it. And uh, the sacrifice of Wen was not intentional, so it doesn't count. Um, and so then they get in the car and they drive away and then it's left ambiguous as to whether or not it was all real. I like that ending more. Yeah. To be honest, the writer likes I mean, I don't, more too. <laughs> I don't want to see Win get killed, but I like the ambiguity of the ending. Right. And I think maybe if they let Leonard kill himself and they all three go in the car, listening to boogie shoes as they drive down the road and you see fire everywhere and then it cuts away. I think that's maybe a, a more satisfying ending to me, at least, because in a way they kind of won. <laughs> they decided, you know, hey, like, because to me, these hypotheticals, I always land on the side of doing the moral thing right now, right? Um, if if printed with, hey, kill a family member or do nothing, and then everyone dies, I lean on the okay. Everyone's fucked then. Like, it's because the right thing for me in that moment is to not kill someone. And that's what I would do. And I'd say, hey, it's not my fault that God destroyed the world. That's his decision. I made the correct moral right decision in this moment. What you do is your own actions and you're responsible for that. And I'm responsible for my own. So I'm going to make the one that I know is right right now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, God's forcing people into this uh, and, and pointing at them and saying, your fault if you don't do the thing. Right. No, it's not. <laughs> you did this. <laughs> don't blame me. It's uncool, man. It's uncool. Yeah. It, that, and I think, again, that's part of why a movie that otherwise is pretty damn amazing, I have a hard time being, like, as super enthusiastic about it because... That's what's going through my head is like you've just been put in an impossible situation. The real villain will never be punished. And it's just good people being hurt throughout the whole film. You know, it's and there's things where I don't really like movies where everyone is evil. Everyone's the bad person. You know, it's why I generally am not a big Tarantino guy. But this is like everyone is good and they all get hurt and punished it's just the bad guy wins and i just eh. and it left me sort of like with a bad taste in my mouth that is a very real assessment that i hadn't considered but you're right everyone is good and they all get hurt and punished except for redmond i No, like I got the feeling from redmond that he had kind of repented on some level you know like he had uh it come around a little bit about like his, I don't know, his ways. He at least realized that he couldn't continue on the same way and had tried to reform some after prison and so on. He had a real job. He wasn't, you know, just out being a crazy criminal. I don't know. Like, did you get yeah. any of that? Like, did you feel like he had changed? All? Like, um, he was still obviously very rough around the edges and gruff and yeah. shitty, but like, I didn't feel like in the moment in this movie he was treating them poorly because they were a gay couple, right? Like like he had in the past yeah. and maybe had learned the error of his ways, at least some, you know? like to, Sure, I, yeah. I don't know. People can change, and um, that is true. Trying to I give mean, old Redmond the benefit of the doubt here a little bit. I think if anyone who looks back in their back catalog of life when things were different, like it's easier now to be tolerant than it was before like you, you what i mean i maybe that's not the best way to put it but i think everyone if you go back in your you know like if everyone was like if we were podcasting for since we were 19 there would be some shit back there <laughs> that would be messy and ugly and that i don't agree with now and would definitely disown and say that's not right i was wrong so i get that 
he doesn't at any point say that in this movie though so we're left to to kind of wonder about him you're right you're right yeah perhaps that's me putting my own uh i'm projecting onto him <laughs> that he has become more right more accepting uh, right, and like I grew up in the church, right? And I mean, I think the biggest enemy of the LGBT community is the evangelical Christian church in the states, at least. Um, and I met their thought process for a long time. I don't anymore. I've come around and I recognize, oh, I was wrong. And now I move forward. So there, he could have changed. I don't know that they just never express it in any way yeah like if he like if he had a moment where he did recognize them and he apologized to them i think that would have been a really effective scene (laughs) you know like right before he's about to die because now he knows god's real there's real judgment and to see him repent would kind of be an interesting scene to me right you have to wonder what happens to these people like is their afterlife dependent on their they success? Were like servants, right? They did the 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 servant thing that they were supposed right, to do. Right, but did they, they do it de- well or did they do it not well? Right, like like essentially, if they had failed, ultimately, is that a one way ticket to hell for them for not pulling it, it, it this off? This is a cruel and unjust God. So yes, yeah, I think so. Probably, too. like he's just he doesn't care, and. Yeah, so I think that's the other part of like this. God is a real jerk, <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> He's so mean. So I wonder what they get for succeeding. Does Batista get something better than everybody else because he's the ultimate success? Like he contributed more to the success, I think. So maybe. Well, but also in this story, it's pretty much assumed that Redmond's done. Like, there's no way that they believe these four people right away. Right. Redmond is going to have to be sacrificed. It's just has to happen because without that, there's no way. Zero percent chance, right? If you put yourself in the shoes of this family and you have no proof and the way to get that proof is they have to kill Redmond and start this plague or whatever, he's doomed. Yeah, he is walking into it with the knowledge of his own death. At, yeah. at the hands of weird pitchforks and wooden tools. Yeah. It's bad shit. Bad shit. And he worked really hard on his, and he only got to break windows with it. Yeah. Well, I, I for my part, I uh, I liked this quite a lot. Um, I, I thought it was very good. After it ended, I kind of felt like I had been through some shit. You know, like it ended. It's a tense movie, right? It, it like, is. we didn't even get into, like, there's the initial break-in when they're trying to figure things out. Then there's the part where Andrew goes to the car and he's being stabbed while he's trying to load the gun in the backseat. One thing is he's a responsible gun owner and he pays for it by getting stabbed because his gun is <laughs> unloaded. The clip is unloaded. It's in this safe thing he can't even get into. So he's being stabbed. He's like, come on. And then he's trying to put the rounds into the clip and, yeah. Yeah, the part where he's being stabbed over and over again. It's so he's shitty. Like, I don't want to... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh man, you got you're just mean. <laughs> Stabbing him like that. Uh funny. It's kind of how yeah. I would stab I... somebody. Like she doesn't want to she, you can tell she doesn't want to be stabbing him. Right. So she's just kind of like kinda stabbing him. <laughs> yeah. Like it's going in. And she's a nurse, so maybe she far. she knows like the anatomy enough to be like, I'm not gonna hit anything important there. I would definitely be um, a squeamish a squeamish stabber for sure. I, at the end though, I still think this is on the positive side of the Shyamalan fence. Um you know, uh again, carried by the performances. I still think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm looking here at my ranking. I got my ranking up in front of me and the the positive side of the Shyamalan fence is uh in my in my book much bigger than the negative yeah. side oh, of the Shyamalan for sure. fence. Like it's I it's, think we have what? Six movies that we would well, you like the happening, but there's like six movies that end up on the the bad side and the other side is mostly everything else to me. Yeah. Yeah, so not too bad. So we'll I, see. I think, uh, what are we going to do next week? Are we going to do it in one week? 
we'll release that. Yeah, well, one week we'll we'll do a, a bonus episode where we just kind of re, like if you listen to the wrap-up of Spielberg, just kind of look back over the span of films, do some ranking. Uh, Eric will probably ask some, um, not hypothetical, what's a hypothesis? hypothesis questions yeah and then whatever uh, i don't know the word and then we'll we'll probably take a break we may have a couple bonus episodes in that break you know we have some spielbergy things to catch up on we got some yep. uh, got an indiana jones we've got a uh, hitchcock hasn't dropped anything recently so no catching up there <laughs> we got a musical version of color purple that we'll have to get to sometime in the next year or so so yep. that probably won't, sure. won't be in the break but it'll be coming down the line yep. um, and then of course we'll get to King, 70s and 80s, through the 80s, whatever we're going to call it. I don't know yet. I'm kind of turning now towards the 70s and 80s. I think that makes sense. Oh, really? Do you think it makes sense? Shut up. <laughs> now, um, if you want to follow us, uh, you can. You can follow us on Twitter. Don't know how, but it's out there. What is it? Uh, M. Night Chrono. At Chronologically M. Night. M. Night. Uh, just look sure. up Chronologically. You can find us. Go to Chronologically.net. Uh, you can also follow Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Hotter. I'm on Twitter at Podcast by Jeff. You can check out GamingNexus.com for all your gaming review needs, as well as Eric's YouTube channel, Eric Hotter. You can um, follow my other podcast called The Movie Draft House. You can follow it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're on Facebook at Chronologically Podcast. We will see you next week as we put a bow on M. Light Shyamalan. Thanks, y'all. Bye.